Hello and welcome once again to the 177 Nations of Tasmania podcast. Lithuania is a small country on the faraway Baltic coast, but one which has provided Tasmania with many, many migrants, particularly through the 1950s and 60s. The Lithuanian names Drakanis and Dombrovskis will be well known to Tasmanians for their stunning wilderness photography. So it would be fair to say that Lithuanian migrants have left their mark on Tasmania. Nowadays though, the community uh, is quite small and on the old side, as the flow of new migrants from the Baltic stopped many decades ago. So it is fascinating to meet a recent Lithuanian migrant, Gedi or Gediminas, who grew up in the independent Lithuania. And while the Lithuanian migrants of the past came as people exiled from their homes by the Soviets, Gediminas came for an entirely different reason relating to sport and currently he coaches soccer to children in the Launceston area. So to find out more about what brought Gediminas so far from home and to hear a bit more about his homeland, please join me and listen on. Tell me what brought you to Tasmania in the first place? Basically football, uh, football, soccer, soccer here, football in Europe. Uh, yeah, I played all my life, so I had an option to come in 2018. So I thought it's a good, good opportunity to go and see other part of the world and never been to Australia and obviously it's a beautiful country and I thought why not. So, so yeah, and I don't, even now, how many, four years later, I don't regret it. So, so yeah. yeah, everything's settled here and everything worked out well. So, so how did that option arise for you? Uh, just online. I, I was talking to people on LinkedIn and I remember before my good friend was telling me that uh, he he had a, an option to go to Australia as well, to main, somewhere to mainland. And after that, he gave me some contacts to start talking and yeah, and then I got an option to come to Tassie straight away. And yeah, so I, I thought, why not? So it basically, I remember it worked out really fast. I started talking probably in like October 2018 and December I was already here with Visa because obviously the standard where I came from of football was higher, it was professional environment. And when I talked to a coach, the president of a club, uh, basically coach was last person I talked from a club after the president. And yeah, and we had like 30 minutes chat and, and he said, oh, I want, I want to have you here ACP as soon as you can. And uh, I just, uh, president helped me to get my visa and I came here. And how much did you know about Devonport and Tasmania? Uh, so once I started talking to the club, uh, I started Googling and uh, seeing what's going to await for me. And uh, yeah, I started looking at some nature spots, national parks around and the climate and the prices. Because like I said, I, I never been nowhere close to Australia, so I didn't know what to expect. I just knew that Australia is a beautiful country. So, so yeah, and Google helped me and yeah, I saw the population of each major cities, Launceston, Tasmania, Devonport, Hobart, obviously capital that is similar size as my, my hometown. So I thought it would be, would be probably easy to settle in as well because you're not coming to massive, massive city of a couple million of people. So yeah, so it, it made it easy to make a choice. In football, in professional, as you're an athlete, your time, you basically have like 10, 15 years in your career. So I was at the time probably 28, around 28. So 
And like I said, I, we started talking to my good mate that he was about to, to go play maybe in Australia. And I thought, oh, would be probably not too bad because obviously it's a good, good opportunity to visit a country while you're still playing. So it's mm. e very easy to meet people and make connections and stuff. And uh, you can always show yourself and, you know, see what happens. And so, yeah, at that time, probably the, I would say the age. And, and because, I, because I had a family in America, I had a choice to go to America a year or two years before I came to Tasmania, but I remember it would be a professional environment over there as well, but I got an injury. My, I got a, my foot got break and, uh, and yeah, I couldn't go there anymore. So after that, I was talking to some agents in there, but like I said, after I started talking to Australian as well, Australian club. So basically I, I went there in a couple, couple months. Yeah, I would say, time of career for sure if I would be early 20s I wouldn't consider that because obviously all the football is in Europe so I wouldn't even think about it probably but when you're getting late 20s then you are like oh what you what you want out of your life because eventually you're gonna stop playing so I thought it would be really good to go visit a country like Australia and still play and still enjoy the game and obviously it's not a professional environment but still playing the same game and see the country and see meet new people and and see how it goes. So what kind of place did you grow up in? What was, uh, so like? yeah, I grew up in, uh, in the west of country, in uh, Klaipeda. It's our port city. It's one of the bigger ports in, in Europe. I think it's the only port which doesn't get frozen in winter. In oh, Europe, okay. yeah, I think so. You can use it full year. Obviously, in that region, in because, Northern, uh, yeah, in, in, in that, yeah, in that yeah. region, uh, because uh, a little bit more south, you have uh, hotter, hotter weather. But uh, in the north, I think it's the only port which is oper operating uh, all year round. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I grew up there. Like I said, uh, um, I spent basically all my life till I turned 15. 15 and a half probably and yeah it's uh it's it's nice area i love it we're actually planning a trip over there now in september this year so i can't wait i i, I haven't been there already three with three years almost mm -hmm. so I, I can see pictures on on facebook on different places how it's changing and the ro new roads are being built and uh, new parks and stuff so i cannot wait to see it and yeah but it's nice nice area it's uh, we have a lot of beaches over there we have like a peninsula peninsula where I love to go by bike. Uh, you catch a ferry for like 10 minutes trip by ferry and you are suddenly in, in like a forest of 50 kilometers length. I was loving to, to even for my recovery after games and uh, and even like trainings uh, just, just to get on the bike and do some cardio in the forest. You see some animals as well and yeah, it's, it's, okay. it's, it's, it's beautiful. So, so yeah, it's uh, the biggest uh, thing what I hated about living in Lithuania was the climate for sure mm -hmm. yeah, so even here we sit now in the uh, third winter day in Tasmania and uh, we sit outside and the weather is not perfect but it's alright and it's not, it's not snowing yeah <laughs> but back home you, you wouldn't be able to do that in third yeah. winter day let's say and the worst part about the, our bad period our winters that it lasts very long so yep. if the bad weather lasts here in Tasmania, let's say two, three months. Back home is like six months. So, and the weather is a lot worse than here. So, so yeah. when you think it's, it's already worse, a lot colder, and it also lasts instead of three months, double. 
and people ask me here, how can you live in those temperatures? And like, you just get used to that, and you obviously yeah. use different uh, clothes, different shoes, and um, all the time we have beanie on, we have gloves on. You don't want to go without gloves in minus 10 degrees because it's going to be freezing. Your your fingers going to be frozen, and they're going to be numb. So, yeah. I rem- and I remember a couple of things. Uh, probably the person who would come from like Australia or a hot climate, they would get into a big trouble because I remember uh, when I was a kid, I was playing a lot with snow. And because I was a kid, I didn't know that uh, when you're when your limbs, when your fingers, let's say, getting very cold, you cannot go under the running water, hot running water, and try to warm them up. And I remember when I was a kid, I did it, and it was such a big pain. I I still can remember that pain only by trying to heat them, uh, my hands up under the running uh, hot water while it's being frozen. And I think it's something having with blood circulation or something like that, but but it was massive pain. So obviously now I would I wouldn't do that. Yeah. As a child, like what did you do in winter? What kind of activities? Oh, I remember like we did crazy things. Uh, when like when I think now, I was like, wow, like you know that would be cold freezing, uh, cold freezing weather, let's say, and uh, in between the in school, in between the lessons when we had a break let's say 20 minutes long break 25 minutes we would go tight and you know kids are silly sometimes they would we would catch someone uh, would put in the snow and you know it's it's called like like a bath in the snow so so we would do like silly things you know like kind of a little bit of abusing uh, some kids and and you know like they would try to put a lot of snow under the clothes and like in in the face and like it's kind of like fun things for some but for some you know it's not very fun obviously and yeah we would do things like that playing with snow and you know your hands would be frozen and when i think now like you know sometimes you get out of a house here in tasmania and you're like oh like uh, you know it's not very warm but uh, when i was younger i was going <laughs> in in probably jeans and a small jacket uh, and a thin jacket out when it was minus 10 to play outside with snow so yeah. then you're like, oh, it's actually not that bad. <laughs> so yeah, obviously, when you kid, you uh, like. I remember even when I was kid, play playing with a ball in the snow, just you know by myself, kicking a ball in the deep snow, like you know half a meter snow, trying to do some overhead kicks. Uh, <laughs> you, you fall and it's nice and soft. So many different things. You obviously just kid you. So you always find some some things to do. I I would say. When I was youth, uh, so I started playing in kindergarten, obviously just for fun, and like all the kids do. And before 15 years old, I was living all my life in my, my hometown, Klaipeda. And yeah, after that, uh, I had an option to go to a capital. There was a lot more professional environment. Uh, we're coming from training only like three, four times a week to like seven, eight times a week. So it's basically like full time. And I needed to move by myself without my family, just being 15 years old. Uh, it, it was called Olympic Center of Lithuania. So where all the best athletes are of all the different sports. I had another, another option to go to the other city in Lithuania as well, fourth biggest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and capital obviously is the biggest in the, in the country. And I wanted to go to a smaller actually city because uh, that's where two of my very good mates went before me. And I thought, oh, it would be good to join them and good friends. And 
and stuff. But uh, but I I remember how much my my parents, uh, some of the other coaches were trying to made my choice to go to the capital because we said that the capital always gonna be more opportunities for you as an athlete. So just go there and don't even think about joining your friends because you still can meet with them anytime, basically you know in free time and and to holidays whatever. Uh, so yeah, I really I'm really happy now when I look back probably 17, 16, 17 years ago that I made this choice and when I, it was very tough uh, because obviously f- when you're 15, you're leaving all your family, all your friends and you're moving by yourself to new environment. And like I said, it was a lot different as well because I was I was training like from like three times uh, back home to seven, eight times, which mm-hmm. is like two times a day three times per week and yeah it was a big change but because I loved the game all the time I had dreams to achieve professional standards so it helped me and that's where basically formed me as a player as well so that time of 15 years old moving to environment like that helped me a lot so after that uh, I finished school in the in the same Olympic center all conditions there were perfect we had everything basically in one building school canteen a sports medicine center a gym uh, our arena training center was only like three four minutes walk and yeah it was great and everything was in the right right spot so it, it was easy because our capital is pretty big so it can you can get stuck in traffic and stuff so it was really easy that everything was in one area so so yeah after that I finished school and I signed my second professional contract uh, after the school period I went to the other club and we played against like some some known clubs like uh, Fulham FC from uh, mm-hmm. from England and uh, in the Europa League qualification stages and yeah and after that I I played in couple different cities around Lithuania in in total I played in probably 10 clubs over okay. uh, yeah in Lithuania La- uh, Estonia and Poland before coming here to Tasmania what what were sort of the biggest changes that you experienced or had to adapt to mm, I think a bit of everything, uh, workloads in trainings. Uh, there were so many times when I literally in the morning would need to go downstairs, upstairs, and I barely could walk. Like mm. the workloads were like, like I said, I still was young, like 15 years old, but workloads were massive. You know, like it was a lot of hard work, professional work with many different uh, like sports scientists and stuff. So they try to build you as an athlete. Workload in football, I would say, was a massive difference. Uh, living by yourself without parents as well, because obviously used to having food. Uh, I had food ready over there because we had canteen and club was looking after us a lot. So I had food there, but still, when you live with mom, uh, she cooks and she helps you all the time and even, you know, cleans and stuff it's and then you're getting suddenly 15 years old by and live by yourself so it's a pretty big change as well and obviously all your friends who you had before you don't have them at the same space around you and Mm. yeah it's uh, getting out of a comfort zone so so i remember first couple weeks first couple months probably were really tough i tried to get home first opportunity i could Mm. so it was it's like three hours drive probably four hours by bus because at that stage i obviously wasn't driving a car so it was like four hours trip by bus so every single time i could get home after like saturdays 
training or game, I would go like even for a day. Like even for a day, I would travel for hours. Mm -hmm. uh, next next Sunday, I would be at home, and uh, Monday morning, I had already the school plus uh, morning session. So, but I would be, I don't care. I just gonna go spend Sunday and gonna leave like five. 4 a.m. by bus Monday morning to get home. Uh, yeah. Get home to where I live now. So, so you know, I, I still sacrifice a lot of traveling time yeah. just to be like, you know, one one day at home to meet my friends, meet my family, and go go. Home. But after a couple of months, I got settled more and more and more. I started talking more with boys around the club, and yeah, they made the life a lot easier for me. So, build some friendships, and yeah. So then I was like, okay, now I'm I'm capital person. <laughs> yeah. And so, what did did the um, program, did it just consist of focus on football or was there like a uh, academic component? Like uh, yeah, I remember even now that uh, coaches were uh, telling guys because uh, obviously when you move from, uh, like I said, like half professional, semi-professional standards where majority of the youth players were doing all around the different cities in Lithuania. Uh, and not only Lithuania, it's probably anywhere in the world like that, unless you're getting into the professional academy. And yeah, so even then I remember coaches were telling us a lot that, uh, you know, you come here to this environment, but you still need to study, you need still need to do your homework. Because I remember where they tried to threaten us that if you're going to be very bad at school, you're not going to be allowed to train and play. And like we eventually going to kick you out of that center or something like that. But uh, they obviously, if you're playing well, they wouldn't do that. So mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't, I, I would say I was in the middle. I wasn't very bad. I wasn't very good in school. So before moving there, I remember school was very important because always my parents were telling me that, you know, as better as good you're going to be in school, as better your future going to be look, look, look like. But when I moved there, just to play a lot, my straight away, my marks went probably from we have one to ten in Lithuania, so it went from like average of eight to like average of like six, one five, uh -huh. something like that. And obviously, I missed a lot of lessons because we had like very very hectic schedules of trainings because our school, even our school, was set up uh, so we could train twice a day. So we would have three lessons in the morning, uh, eight to ten thirty-five and then 11 would be the first training. And then uh, the second part of the school would start 150, I think, and from 150 to 6, 6.30, something like that. And then uh, around uh, five, you have a second training. So, so yeah, sometimes you would get after first training in the morning and you'll be like, I cannot go to school, I need sleep, like I'm too tired. So, yeah. and that would happen to many, many, many players uh, because like I said, workloads were very, very high, very big and, and yeah, that's why like school you wouldn't think about school that much anymore so obviously yeah it's it, it definitely went down by a lot i remember in the grade 12 our school year starts first uh, of september first time i got to school was uh, mid-november so basically like two and a half months later because right. uh, we had uh, we had uh, like national team competitions in uh, like qualification stages. So we had many training camps to get uh, get ready for that. And uh, then I traveled to one training uh, camp uh, abroad. Then we had this qualification in, uh, I don't even remember, Germany maybe. Then I went to Hungary, I think, to, with another national team with a little bit older players. And yeah, I remember. And then we had 
normally we have end of October the school break, uh, which is like two weeks of school break. And yeah, I got back after those two weeks uh, back to school. And I remember my my teacher who looked after us called my mom and she was like, look, uh, Geddy not gonna finish school because he has already like so many bad marks. And it's, you know, he came first time after like two and a half months mm-hmm. after school year started. But I said to my mom, and my mom was stressing. She was like, oh, what what you done? What have you done? What is going to happen now? You know, you're going to be spending extra extra year to be in school. And I said, mom, don't worry, I'm going to fix it. And yeah, I made it happen. Obviously, I needed to do a lot of work, like out of uh, when I was having free time or something like that. But yeah, I, I finished school. I guess that post-Soviet period, Lithuania would still have had some of the, you know, old, the remnants of the previous era. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. I, I remember probably the biggest thing would be the even people who are talking in Russian. Mm-hmm. So, so obviously, like you said, everything gets modernized and uh, building roads, building uh, buildings and upgrading cities. But... Uh, I would say the biggest like part of, of that uh, Soviet Union stayed, especially in my city, uh, because we have a lot of uh, Russian-speaking people, and yeah, some some people still, uh, which uh, a lot of people are annoyed about that uh, they still uh, don't talk at all in Lithuanian, yeah. and they always talk Russian, and you know we do watch Russian TV and many many things connected with Russia and. Uh, and yeah, there are a lot of people like that. So especially now when war is happening in Ukraine, yeah. basically those type of people are the ones who causing things like wars. Just because we live in other country, but they count themselves as Russians. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, they would probably do anything for Russia, but not for Lithuania, but we're still in Lithuania. Yeah. And yeah, so before that, I would say not too many people were disliking them, but uh, in things like in, in in times like war now, what's happening in Ukraine, a lot of Lithuanians really don't like them, uh, just because yeah. they, they they actually can be a national threat as well. Because uh, they, like I said, it even happened that our national television they started blocking Russian channels, so we right. cannot see the uh, propaganda on TV. So you know, if you live in the other country, you should understand what's happening you cannot be brainwashed and think that all the world is bad except russia and you know the modern world the modern civilization tries to you know hurt russia or russian people i know a lot of russian people and i, I have nothing against them like well, i met a lot of nice russian people as well and i always even was telling here when i came to australia that people obviously were thinking that russia is a monster and stuff and i was trying to tell that not everyone is bad. Not everyone thinks the same way. Yeah. And uh, like I said, it's a part of the people who still think the, the way how we actually act, the whole nation, let's say, the, not the whole nation, but the president and the army and stuff. But uh, a lot of people hating it. And so, so they're just afraid to tell that because... You know, in the law, Russian laws, if you're going to get on the street and protest, you're going to get in prison for yeah. 5, 10, 15 years. So a lot of people are, doesn't have a freedom of speech. So 
Obviously, when I came to over here to Tasmania, I was shocked. The first day when I moved to here, I was shocked. I remember because I couldn't understand what people talk. I got first training in, in Devonport to the dressing room and I couldn't understand. Uh, before I had family in America, I was traveling like four times in America. I didn't have issues to talk in English, but uh, when I came to Tasmania, all the slang words, different accents, and I couldn't understand. I was like, wow, out of 10 words, I probably yeah. get three words. I was like, what? Like, because I was very confident that I'm gonna be all right with language. Yeah. But once I get, and people wouldn't understand me either because obviously my of my accent. And yeah, it took me probably I would say one year, maybe a little bit less, but around one year to get into like Australian accent slang words and even I remember like some funny accidents were happening my my I was in the beginning of uh, Devonport uh, before club uh, found me a house I was living with my teammate and uh, I remember he called me after he finished work and he he was asking me what what would I like for tea I was like no mate I want to have some food maybe now I don't want tea before training okay. I said I want to have some food he was like yeah yes what you would like for tea I was like, nah, mate, like, I don't drink tea too late. I said, I, I, you know, it's going to affect my, my, you know, sleep time, sleep, sleep, whatever. Okay. And he was like, no, no, no. And only later I realized that tea is dinner. But, yeah. but so words like that, like I never heard before that, That's... you know. One, one boy was telling me, oh, look, it's spitting outside. And I started looking for people. I was like, what? <laughs> spitting. I was, and I couldn't find anyone just, you know, just the street and cars. He was like, yeah, it's raining. I was like, so it's raining. It's drizzling, but it's not spitting. <laughs> so, yeah, it's different change, uh, obviously. But, uh, but yeah, I got used to that. So now I'm kind of local <laughs> about it. It's the biggest challenge when people talk. Even now, my mom came here a couple of months ago to visit us. Mm -hmm. And obviously her English is not... A, good level she can understand she can talk but she cannot talk fluently and yeah like all the people from my family around here uh, i was always telling them don't rush while you're talking and pick the easiest word don't <laughs> talk slang and she can understand if you're gonna start talking as you would talk to anyone local here she's not gonna get it but if you're gonna talk slowly pick up a word, the simple words which everyone understands, uh, I said, she's going to be all right. So anyways, how to, even she, my mom was telling me, I cannot get them, we talk too much, like we talk too fast, like yeah. all the words we're putting into the sentence, you know, like doesn't make any any sense for me. So uh, can you tell them to them to speak a little bit slower? So that's going to help a lot. And I think local people underestimate how difficult it is to understand them. If if you're just new? Yes, especially, especially like you said, uh, probably uh, you had experience traveling around. You know, a lot of people in Tasmania, they haven't been out of Australia, probably, yeah. I would say. So, so no, when you don't get into a different, different environment where people talk completely different language, you probably don't even realize that it can be hard. It can be making massive difference in, in, in people's lives as well, because especially 
someone moves here by themselves and we cannot communicate, we cannot make friends, we cannot get confidence and stuff. I remember actually myself that now obviously my language a little bit is advanced, but uh, before that, if I would know a person, I would speak a lot better English, but if I wouldn't know a person, let's say you talk to someone unknown, you actually have it in your mind that you lack a confidence. And even before you start talking, you're already out of confidence that you can uh, cannot communicate very well. So so it's a mind, mind, mind thing as well that uh, yeah. obviously with people who you know, who you trust, uh, who you know that they can understand you, you feel a lot more confidence uh, compared to the people who you meet first time in your life. So. Was there anything in particular that helped you improve your English or overcome some of the problems you had initially? Uh, just just it probably the experience, uh, just the more I talked. Uh, for me, yeah, the, the biggest thing which helped obviously was that I didn't have any other people talking other language than English. So everyone was talking English around. So I needed to talk every single day, every every hour, every minute, so so that made the difference. The same, like I said, my mom is visiting now. Obviously, she has me, so she talks to me in Lithuanian, but if, if she would be here by herself, her English would be three times better now, probably, because she spent already three months. In those three months, if you talk English nonstop, you would improve a lot more. It's like a training, but uh, I would say I improved a lot by just because I needed to talk. I had only one year visa at that time and I couldn't stay for longer than one year because you need to get out of a country before you can apply for next visa. And actually first time in my life in 2018 I, I was coaching a bit in Devonport, mm-hmm. coaching football. And I remember uh, it was my first experience in life before that. I just played all my life professionally and uh, I thought, oh, maybe maybe I would like to be a coach later in my life, but uh, I didn't have any qualification in, in coaching. Uh, so that's why uh, when I didn't, my visa expired, then I thought, oh, it would be good to get the license at the same time and I have no visa and uh, go back home, study the visa and not visa, study the license and I have a qualification. So so yeah, that's what happened. But because I, I had my before leaving in the end of 2018, I met a girl in Launceston and yeah, and basically when I moved back to Lithuania, uh, she visited me in summertime in, in Europe, in wintertime in Tasmania. So she came like five, six months later to visit me. And we start talking more and more and more. And in the end, I, I came back to Tasmania, basically just because of her, uh, just because uh, now we have a daughter, two years old. And uh, yeah, she was probably the main reason why I came back to Tasmania, because like I said, I, I wanted to be in a little bit more professional environment in terms of football. Uh, and Tasmania doesn't have it, but, but then I start talking to her more and more and more. Basically, Tasmania now became my home, my home, so home number one. So yeah, that was the second spell. It started in the 20, end of uh, 2019. So right before COVID, I came to back to came back to Tasmania, and uh, three, four months later, our uh, four months later, our daughter born. And yeah, then COVID, COVID was a big thing. So. I couldn't, uh, even if I would want to, I couldn't go back anywhere, uh, neither Europe, neither anywhere else. So, so yeah, 
I start I start coaching here. I, I was still playing as well, so I start coaching more and more and more. So I build I build that like my business uh, private coaching, mm. and so yeah. So from 2020, I start coaching basically. I would say three four times a week. And now, from this year, beginning of this year, I coach every single day during the week, and I start coaching in the, at the club as well. So I have two, two teams, two different teams at the club, and plus my players who I coach privately, and I coach also at the biggest college in Launceston, St. Pat's College, mm-hmm. and so I coach there as well. So, so yeah. Fair bit of coaching, still playing, so don't mind it because I, lo- I love football, I love sport, and I love helping new generation, new players. So, so yeah, it's, uh, it's not the easiest thing to work with kids, obviously pros and cons, but uh, but yeah, it's I enjoying it and you describe your style. Yeah, I'm mean, definitely different compared to uh, Tasmanian style. Yeah. Not only maybe Tasmanian, but Australian as well. I'm obviously different uh, mentality. I try to be in between how I was coached when I was young and how people, how kids are being coached here by local coaches. So I know like I have experience where when I was like eight, nine years old and I had a Russian coach and he would literally bash us. During the game, during trainings, you know, if he would do something wrong, uh, if he would, I don't know, too much talking or something like that, it, it, like sometimes he would bash people, you know, bash kids, and which is not acceptable, obviously. Uh, yeah. But I had this experience, you know, I've been being uh, like screamed at and stuff like that, and it, which helped me in some way to build my discipline. So I try to be in between. I try to be tough sometimes, and but I know that when you're tough, on the players, on the students, it helps. Like it, it pushes you forward, and you get out of uh, out of them more and more and more. This is one situation where I think it helps having a foreign accent. Yeah, with, probably. With kids, because it's a little bit scary. You can sound scarier. Yeah, yeah, probably. When you yeah, shout. So, yeah, and uh, and but I always tell them, look, uh, like I can be tough on you. Uh, first thing I always. Uh, Probably rule number one that I always deal with any different player same way. Uh, so yeah. there are no players who I like more or like less. If I see that someone does the wrong thing, I'm gonna tell it. And uh, another thing that every time when I scream and I try to tell that we're training shit or something like that, which I tell a lot. If you do that, it needs to be you know on the on the same page for everyone. If we come to train and get better, like you cannot do whatever you want. So. When I tell and I tell them all the time, if I criticize you a lot, it's not because I want to make you less confident or something like that. I just want to push you forward. So, yeah. so and I believe that works. So kids are improving, and uh, I try to get most out of what we're capable of. Yeah, know? and um, that kind of thing shows that you you care about what you're doing. And, and yeah, yeah, definitely. You, I, I try to make it a little bit more professional because, like I said, we don't have that professional standard. And uh, but I always try to tell them that, especially kids, all kids are same. They have two feet, two hands, one head. And, you know, it's more about uh, if you have a desire, if you have desire in Actually, I wanted to ask you about your name. Get a, get a minus. Get a minus. Get a minus. <laughs> I got it wrong again. Um, because I... And I should get the name right because I have heard that I know it's a common Lithuanian. Yeah, it's name. one. Yeah, one of uh, most common. 
because there's a bit of history. Uh, yeah, it's a, there was a like a king, uh, Gediminas, who won many battles, many many for Lithuanian history, and I think he won the one of the main battles, which made a lot of difference in the history in terms of territory and and, yeah. and things. So so yeah, it was. It's called Dushi. Uh, it's like a queen. Dutch. Uh, Duke, Grand Duke, yeah, Grand Duke, Duke. Yeah. yeah. So he, so we have like a main castle in in the capital, which is like Gediminas Castle, and yeah, like I said, that Grand Duke uh, Gediminas, he was like one of the most historical, not the how to say, head of the army, but something like that, to who won battles and uh, in terms of gaining territory and stuff. Yeah, so it's kind of a, a national uh, hero. Hero, yeah, yeah. I guess you could. Even though it was actually quite big at one. Yeah, at one stage we were one of the bigger countries in Europe. Mm. Uh, we we were connected with Poland. And yeah, we were from basically from Baltic Sea to the Black Sea. Yeah. So the territory of Ukraine at the moment was part of uh, our country, so so connected with Poland. So yeah, we were, I, I think at one stage, even the biggest country in Europe or one of the biggest. So yeah. So yeah. yeah, but obviously later we lost some wars, so we became tiny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I said, even our language, you know, you... You can talk in our language only in Lithuania, but uh, but it's one of the older languages in in Europe. So, is there anything that you miss about Lithuania? Uh, yeah, probably a couple things. Biggest one, I would say, some of the food, bread, dark bread. Uh, we have we have it similar bread, not similar, right bread. Let's say dark bread uh, in Woolies, let's say in some bakeries, but it's not the same. So so when we have a like a traditional snack, which is fried bread with cheese, mm -hmm. and it's probably my if I would go to bar with my friends, I would definitely order it uh, because it's very simple one, but it's very tasty. And yeah, like it's you need to have specific bread for that. So, so we don't have it here. So yeah, definitely. When I gonna go in September, that's gonna be <laughs> number one snack for me. And and yeah, and uh, probably that's the obviously I miss family, friends, but yeah, out of food, that would be number one thing. <laughs> Kurtu augi tarbalu, tarbshu jalu samanu.